This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to the Saturday afternoon expanding horizons mess up. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you, Marina, for um, giving up your Saturday afternoon and immediately you'd be thinking, man, I've wasted my time here. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's absolutely to Today, just so we know, we've got Mark Catley in the studio. Mark, how are you? I am very good. Thank you for having me along. Yeah, he's going to come on and um, be a guest, but suddenly I've roped him into actually running the board. <laughs> he was like, oh, I wasn't trained for this. And that was Groove Show by One Drop Nation because in the studio today live we have Darren, the keyboard player. Oh, he does vocals as well. <laughs> yeah, all right. What an intro, what an intro. Because today in the studio live, 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 we have Lucy Gray. Kia ora, everyone. And it is your main job is to butter up your guests. Yeah, yeah. So they come back. I was being truthful about it, Lucy. Expanding Horizons. And kia ora koutou and welcome to Expanding Horizons on Plains FM 96.9. Super glad you've joined us. My name's Stu. To my right is Colin. How's it going, Colin? Yeah, great. Great. Just listening to you giving me a hard time in that that sweeper. But anyway, that's all right. That sweeper's all about our guests. Yeah, that's right. That's what it's all about. And to my left, we've got Sam from Jam Henderson, who's our guest today. How you going, Sam? Sam? Very well. How are you? Good. And Let's um, turn your mic on. That might help. I've turned on the wrong one. Are you all good now? Start again. Yeah, I think, uh, hello. I'm, yeah. I'm, hey. I'm here. That sounds much better, It, it sounded it? like you were outside in the street. Banging on with, the door trying with, to get in. Yeah. Your, oh, you're telling the truth about half an hour before the show started. It also sounds like you've had some radio experience. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So you know what we're doing. So yeah. how are you going, Sam? Thanks for giving up your Saturday afternoon. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here in this very uh, warm studio. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. quite nice when I walk in. It's very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. I've, uh, I've stripped off. So. Yeah, of course you have to. <laughs> Stu's in a t-shirt all the time, you know. <laughs> You're just getting the guns out for everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's right. Sort of the squash guns. That's because he plays squash. Not yeah, just saying yeah, anything yeah. about him. <laughs> anyway, so Sam, what's going on? Like, you have got single out, is that right? Yeah, man? that's right. So a couple of weeks ago, I released a single, New Walls, which is sort of available on all the regular streaming platforms. Um, yeah, really sort of pleased to get that one out. It's been in the works for a while. Um, and, yeah, that's that's what's going on with me. So how, um, when you say it's been in the works for a while, how long's a while? Um, well, we recorded an EP that came out last year uh, called Brain Cleaning was the name of that. And we recorded that um, sort of early 2022 um, and also late 2021. And we recorded this song in the sessions for that. But it, we really liked the song, but it didn't fit on the EP. Uh, and so the thought was just to hold off a bit and then release it when the EP had a bit of a chance to breathe and so we could um, then give this song its own space as well. So that's why, that's why the wait. Yeah, right. It's interesting when you said it doesn't fit on the EP. And I was like, oh, sometimes, you know, when you've written, 
I guess you've written it at the same time you wrote the other mm. the other stuff, and it was a departure from the kind of sound of the other stuff, right? Yeah, well, I sort of end up approaching every every song a wee bit differently, and so often they can sort of, or, or even even if you approach them approach them all the same, you sort of bring them to a group of people, and they sort of expand from the original idea and grow organically. But they all grow organically in their own direction, and not always does that direction sort of sound right all on the same release. I guess so. That's that's the yeah. logic there. I was going to say you you're just setting yourself up for one of those um, in twenty years time career um, best of or bootlegs uh, or yeah. um, <laughs> basement tapes or anything all yeah. the warehouse tapes oh, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. is something that we, we we didn't have you know released you know how people do that yeah. I've got a little low spot in my career for a while and I'll just release this album yeah exactly oh, goes, oh, new always stuff like, always like going to the going to the warehouse and seeing like the the six dollar CDs yeah, and it's like yeah, all it's of cool. these random compilations you'd never would have thought would exist yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> shrunk though hasn't it that section oh, yeah. it's shrunk it used to be huge oh, it's and, massive yeah, yeah. yeah. Same with the Blu-rays and DVDs. Mm. There's now none. They got rid of them, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. They got in the way of blockbuster video, I'm afraid. <laughs> Blue, Blu-rays were the new big thing. Yeah. Mm. yeah they were the future. Mm. Until they weren't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, they're coming back. They're coming back, yeah. A whole, whole new people will find them. It's like vinyl, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, people are like, ooh, throw these away. They don't sound too, too good. They're too scratchy. And then everyone goes... Oh, maybe that's all right. They love the character of it. Yeah. yeah. That's what I was going to ask you about. I was just going to say, this is on topic, but I know we're short of time, but I actually watched the Blu-ray a couple of days ago. It looked beautiful. It just looked different from streaming. It really did. Is that right? Yeah, I thought. Okay. Anyway. All right. Physical, physical media, get that, get onto it. <laughs> get onto it, because you're yeah. tactile, and that's what I was going to ask you about your releases. Mm. Um, just online digital or... Just online, um, we, I mean, I was looking into getting some sort of tapes or something done because tape, tape. Is, tape, is, tape is coming back a wee bit, especially around um, around Christchurch and Dunedin. Mm. Um, I'm not so sure about up in the North Island, but I, <laughs> a lot of my sort of friends are, are doing tape. Uh, and the benefit of that is you can do a really small run. It's a lot more affordable, so you can sit, you can feasibly sell a tape for 8 or $10. Wow. Um, Whereas with uh, with vinyl, you've got to you've got to make at least forty or fifty of them, mm. and they each cost about forty dollars to to actually make. So it's you've got to be pretty sure you can sell them. Um, so yeah, I mean the 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 idea of tape has been bandied around, but so far it's just online. I probably would do a tape that's got sort of all or most of the stuff that's been released as, as a bit of a sort of warehouse shop floor, shop floor compilation thing <laughs> that we'd sell at the gigs maybe like, like that's yeah, definitely yeah. something that's on the cards yeah it's like a it's, um, cool. it's like DIY punk from 19 <coughs> you know 1980 when people were just like doing their own tapes doing yeah, their self own distribution yeah. and all that yeah it's it's um it's a really it's a really cool thing to do and there's a lot of that um there's a lot of that that sort of still happens, you know, everyone designing their own covers and um, making sort of really individual things. And also even um, people will make tapes, even if they don't have, a, oh, sorry, people will buy tapes if they don't have a tape player just because it's a really cool bit of merch. And I think maybe one day I will mm. I will have a tape player. Mm. I bought about three or four tapes before I bought the tape player. And I, I, My logic was if I just keep buying tapes, eventually I'll have so many, but I can't help. Uh, so I can't help but buy a tape player, and that's exactly yeah. what happened. I was in this, um, this was a couple of months ago, in one of those hip retro stores, you mm. know, that sell clothes and everything. And you had a table of tapes, right? Mm. <laughs> and um, 
they were twenty dollars, and they were like things like um, Simple Minds, and I'm like, no one's paying twenty bucks, even when it was brand <laughs> no. new for a Simple Minds <laughs> tape, mm. which made me think because I've got, you know, I've got this um, the, the special second album right on tape, and I bought it when it first came out, and the tape, mm. the case is um, black on one side and white on the other. Mm. And it's still got the date of the sticker inside mm. from inside the hard case when I bought it. Wow. And, you know, and I was thinking, man, if Simple Minds mm. are 20 bucks, how much is this thing worth? Yeah, yeah. You know, and um, I've also got like Rancid's Out Come the Wolves, which is a great album, right? You know, they keep re releasing, you know, um, anniversary issues of it on tape. And I bought that in a Walmart in Texas. Um, <laughs> but it, it came out when it first, I bought it when it first came yeah. out. And then uh, people paying 20 bucks for a Simple Minds. Well, they hadn't. It was for yeah, sale for twenty five. So no one's mm. like, "How much are these things worth?" Mm. You know. I suppose the risk is with tape as well. You know, if you put it in the wrong old Toyota Corolla <laughs> or something, it can very easily munch it up. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna. Years ago, I had a car accident. Years ago, I had a car accident, and um, I completely wrote the car off. I was out in the bush in Western Queensland, and I got out of the car and thought, "Oh." I've left my tape in, got back, <laughs> got back in and got the tape out. The car was written off. Priorities, but, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. that tape. It was one of those mixtapes you did. Oh, yeah. You, you know, yeah, and yeah. I was like, it was a good good um, collection. So mm. anyway, but so I was going to ask you then off the tape situation, but onto the gig situation. Mm. What's the, have you got tour coming up? Have you got some gigs in the pipeline? No, we've got, I mean, I've got a couple of gigs coming up that I can't disclose the details of yet no. because they're not ones that I've organised, no. but um, there are a couple of local things coming up in the next couple of months, which will be, uh, which will be uh, very fun. Hmm. Um, there's no, we, I did a tour earlier this year, a co-headline tour with a Dunedin band called El Hotel, um, and so I'm, yeah, done a tour this year, uh, that was good fun, really good fun. Um, played at 12 Bar, which we were sort of talking about before we mm. went on here. It was sadly gone out of business. Mm. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah, but just just those sort of two gigs coming up. Done a lot of gigs in the last couple of months. So um, after this release, sort of taking a, a month or so of, of break before kicking back into it. Um, played uh, last week, or the week before actually, the day that the song came out. Uh, played up in Auckland at Whammy Backroom. Um, oh, right. I don't know if you've I don't know if you've been up there, but no. it's um, on on K Road, just sort of off Whammy Bar. That was a lot of fun, but yeah, nothing sort of booked for the next wee while. Um, and um, if people wanted to find out though yeah. about releases, find out about you know gigs upcoming, where would they where would they go to find those things out? Definitely Instagram and Facebook. Um, so I'm probably most active on on Instagram. Um, so that if you just search Jam underscore Henderson, uh, that'd be that's yeah that's where you'll find all the information. Posting sort of every few days there about what's about what's going on. So that's the best place to stay updated. But Facebook too. Yeah, and so people are out there will be thinking Jam Henderson. That's an interesting moniker. Yeah, there must be a good story behind that. There must be a story behind that. Well, (laughs) yeah. No, there is. Um, So basically I... um, I was in a, a conversation with my grandmother who uh, has a friend called Jan Henderson and I misheard her and I heard her saying Jam Henderson over and over and over and I was sort of sitting there for about 45 minutes thinking what on earth is Jam Henderson and it stuck with me and at the time I was sort of producing the very first single and hadn't 
decided on a name, hadn't settled. So that that just sort of stuck with me, and that ended up being the name. And here we are, sort of four years later. <laughs> and it hasn't gone away. Right? Hasn't gone away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's interesting because I am. Um, I was thinking, you know, about Engelbert Humperdinck, right? That, so that's like not his real name. No. Mm. But at some point, you must have thought that was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this sound, this doesn't sound like a silly name at all, you, you know? No. Not that it, it's Jam Henderson no, 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 is, but, you know? Um, it's just sort of a, this, it's just Works. a sort of coincidence, you know, that yeah. something pops up in your consciousness at the same time mm. as you need a name for something, and it can stick with you for, for years. But you hear that about bands all the time, like, yeah, like Foo Fighters, for example. Like They think their name's ridiculous, but it just sort of came to <laughs> Dave yeah role at one point and you know so that's that's the story of the name so yeah. i was going to ask you saying that then about the foo fighters um are they one of your influences what are your influences and I mean, when did I you get into music i do like the foo fighters but i wouldn't say they're one of my um i wouldn't say they're one of my songwriting influences um i got into music really i mean i've always been really interested in music and listened to a lot of music growing up but i really got into music when i moved to i grew up in auckland um and i i actually studied music for a year at the university of auckland um and i, I sort of wanted a bit of a change so i moved to dunedin and i really started getting into music there a lot of bands uh, it was a real golden era um of sort of the, the of of the local scene there were lots and lots of bands around gigs all the time I was going to gigs sort of three nights a week plus um bands like Marlins Dreaming Mild Orange um Soaked Oats just to name sort of a few well, I've heard of um, Soaked Oats yeah they uh, they were all massive influences on me I'd say the biggest influence would be um, would be sort of Marlins Dreaming, who are a, who are a um, band who is, I think they're based sort of all around the country, all the members, but they are still very active. I've seen them probably almost 20 times, I would say. Um, they'd be a favourite band of mine. But a lot of um, a lot of sort of other bands as well that aren't so local, like um, the Kooks were a big inf- early influence of mine. They were probably the first band I was really into, and I'm still sort of into their stuff. Oasis um, are another one. But, yeah, I'm, it, it, I do have sort of relatively diverse influences. Um, I listen to a lot of things like a lot of Carol King and Joni Mitchell and Bob Dylan yeah. and all mm. that growing up, and I still do. Yeah, I was mm. just going when to... You, when you said about the Kooks, I was thinking, you know, when people start getting into that music in their teens and suddenly like they're in the all the clothes that their favorite band yeah. wears and then they're in the band shirt and was that you or no no oh. well, well not really but there was a period where i think i would for months on end very subconsciously sort of only wear band merchandise shirts not only buy band merchandise shirts just of the local bands but it's sort of the um, international ones as well but mostly the, the local bands sort of whenever I was at a gig I would almost always buy a shirt and um, so I, I've probably got about I've got probably got about 30 or 40 band shirts yeah. and 80% of those would be um, Dunedin or Christchurch bands yeah that's good I remember watching a, they had an episode of um, American Pickers where they went on one of the later episodes when they went on the road and um, they went to this guy and he's got like a whole room full of band shirts, mm. like in boxes. Like, he must, like, seriously, he must have a thousand. There was so many boxes and they were all stacked in there and he's holding them up and he's going like, yeah, this is the Cheap Trick 1976 tour. It's all, all of them originals and they're just like, they're pay, they were paying 
through the nose yeah for, for these shirts you know like they look like they've never been worn you know it was wow. just it was just mad right it was completely <laughs> mad and saying that about cheap trick they had one where they went to the guitar i don't know the guitarist's mm. name and he had like a whole warehouse just full of his guitars <laughs> and um he's oh, i played this one once it was made specially for this gig yeah just played it once and then put it away wow and they were trying to trying to get hold of some of those but he had he had a whole like um you know like a big case full of you know tour shirts and tour merch that he just shoved in there and left in the warehouse and wow no. yeah people getting stuff so i'm just saying that <laughs> don't make sure you wash them iron them neatly no and no they're all very neatly folded away in my drawer yeah sorted by color because <laughs> you know i was thinking when you were talking about it, i was thinking you know, i told you this story before i had a sub pop shirt right mm. back in about 1989 i had this um super big muff distortion pedal on yeah, the front yeah, yeah. and sub pop and it was uh, mud honey and I wore it and wore it and wore it. Like, it had a big, a big split across the back. I wish I like, had not worn it because it would have been so, <laughs> yeah, it's such a cool shirt, though. Yeah. You know, like, I just loved that shirt. Because some of them are just iconic, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, some, one, of my, one of the most interesting things for me about, um, about sort of bands and, and local bands and all, all bands, really, is sort of um, the, the visual style that complements... Um, compliments the music. I mean, there is some absolutely incredible, um, incredible sort of visual stuff out mm-hmm. there, and a lot of the, uh, a lot of the stuff that is so iconic um, about the music is, uh, well, a lot of the stuff that's so iconic is not just the music, but the visual stuff as well. You like, you think of like the, um, for example, like the the Velvet Underground and Nico Banana, mm-hmm. like that sort of thing. A lot of that stuff is so. Um, important to the way people see the music as well yeah. um, and it's an excellent way to just sort of show that you've got great taste mm, too as we're that, a band yeah, shirt yeah, yeah. and that transitions <laughs> us straight to the question about your shirts mm. <laughs> your band shirts yes. the Jam Henderson one yes yep what about them do you have them we do uh, we've, <laughs> we've got um, we've got some definitely sort of started thinking about doing some more because we, we've got one design um, at the moment and yeah, if, uh, you can buy those actually through through our Instagram very informal um, <laughs> but yeah, so the Instagram shop send us, send us a message on Instagram and we'll ship one out to you but we do yeah we do have shirts um, yeah I just think shirts are shirts are so fun and mm. I think if you're a band you should do shirts it doesn't matter if you haven't played yet just make some shirts and bring <laughs> yeah. them along to the gig yeah, they're yeah, great yeah. Aren't they? people, are people, for... people are buying them yeah, they yeah. Will, they, they will. will. Have we got a time for the song? Yeah, well, I think we should. I think we should play New Walls. Yeah, do it, shouldn't we? And then we can have a chat about it when we come yeah. back. Yeah, no worries. All right, this is New Walls. Ooh, but coming in a bit hot. This is New Walls from Jam Henderson, and you're on Expanding Horizons on Plains FM. <laughs> Thank you. 
Expanding Horizons, offering an eclectic mix for the discerning listener. Yes, you're on Expanding Horizons with Stu and Cole, and we've got Sam in the studio as well, and that was the track from Jam Henderson, New Walls, which yeah. has been out two or three weeks. It two is. weeks? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So what's, what was that? What's the kind of background thinking about that? Um, so I guess that song was sort of... Often you sort of write a song and don't realize, really realise what it's about until you sort of have written it and you're like, oh, yeah, it's very obvious what that's about. Now, now it's actually written. But with this one, um, it's uh, sort of about moving from Dunedin to Christchurch and just adjusting to things like, you know, being somewhere you're not very familiar with and mm. figuring out where to get a coffee and figuring out what supermarket's going to be most <laughs> e- effective for getting all the little things that you like to get and then, you know, just uh, adjusting to the little nuances of day-to-day life in a new place is really what that song's about. Mm. And I was going to ask you about your writing because you were saying mm. about how you pro- you wrote that about the same time as the EP but didn't fit to it. Um, what's your? Po- I was thinking about the writing processes. Mm. Are you a put your lyrics down... And get the melody around it, or do you have something coming to your head and you think, I'll fit some lyrics in there? Well, my sort of, I've got a little bit of a philosophy of a, a, a chain of things. Um, the first thing is I'll have sort of very sort of vague, intangible sort of thoughts or feelings or things that I sort of want to write about, and those thoughts and feelings and stuff sort of influence. Um, a bit of guitar usually is the instrument I write on, so they'll influence the guitar playing. Um, I'll write some, I'll write a riff, or I'll write some chords, or or something, or just the music, and then um, that will then in turn influence the lyrics. So it's about sort of it, it all basically comes from um, it all comes from the the thought or feeling or whatever it is that I'm trying to express but um, the process is very much sort of think about something and then that influences music and then that influences lyrics that's right. the order I guess yeah right. and, and when you're doing this process do you find that the, the track the song the lyrics melodies whatever are going through your head constantly during the day when you're not thinking about things you're doing other things like work yeah if the if Usually the ones that end out all right and end up end up sort of being ones that I play and release, mm. yes. Mm. And if they're not so good, not so much. <laughs> right. <laughs> that usually that usually figures itself out. Um, but yeah, I do sort of um, I do sort of think about they, they do mm. play on repeat while I'm meant to be sort of doing other more productive things. I guess yeah 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 yeah. Because I wondered, you know, sometimes. Um when you when you've been thinking or doing something a lot older, and then you go to sleep and it's in your it's in your dreams and you just wake up it's in your head all the time, right? Yeah. You can never park it, I guess, until you've written it, yeah, right, or I, recorded I, it. I, yeah, no, I definitely think there is that's a that's something I, I experience the not being able to get it out of my head until it's all written and I feel like it's sort of in a place where I don't need to do anything else to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that is definitely something I experience. And when, and when you play it live, do you often get a feel that oh, we could have done, or it could change? Well, um, yes, but um, my view on recording things and um, and on um, yeah, recording and playing things is that songs should change and evolve over time as you play them, and that releasing a song is um, is not necessarily 
that doesn't mean the release is the song. Um, my sort of view is that songs are really dynamic and they change over time, and that a release is a timestamp of that song. Mm. Um, mm. But it's and, but and it's really important to try and develop the song as much as you can um, before getting it to that point where you release it. But at the end of the day, that they will develop themselves further over time. You know, like the first songs that. Um, that I released under the project have they've changed the way we play them live have changed um, as sort of um, the people who have played them have changed and time's gone on and and all of that stuff so I think these things do really evolve but it's um, it is very important to not get too caught up in oh what if what if this could be five percent better or I could do this I think you've just got to you've got to do it record it say this is a timestamp of the song and and if it evolves, it evolves. The reason I ask that is because um, I was thinking to myself, and especially when you were saying that as well, about, you know, you um, people go to gigs, right? Like the mm. people who never go to gigs and they only go to the the big t- the big artist that's yeah, scoring, yeah. right? How was the gig? Oh, well, they didn't play it like it was on the CD. <laughs> yeah. No. Because if you wanted to do that, you could have stayed at home and listened to the CD. Mm. Mm. And... No, with no, I guess, feeling for what the artist is doing, that it belongs to them and they're creating something and when they're in the motion of it, they're taking it somewhere. Yeah. Whereas they, they're almost like looking for a human jukebox, some people. Yeah. To stand there and go, this is how it sounded and I'm doing it. Cause I, you know, like you were mentioning mm. Bob Dylan just before as one of the, your influences or someone you listen to quite yeah. a lot. I mean, Bob Dylan does that all the time, doesn't he? You know, he takes a track of his and he does what he likes with it. All this belongs to him, right? Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, fun, you know when you, I was going to say, funnily enough, when you listen to those basement tapes and those kinds of bootleg yeah. ones of Bob Dylan, he's just doing what he wants, right? And, and you, a lot of Bob Dylan's songs, he's recorded about four or five different versions of them yeah. and released them at various points across various sort of, Various sort of things, and I, um, now most of his um, most of his shows are him on the piano, sort of turning all of his songs into ballads. And you know, he goes through; he's been through different phases of doing things in different ways. And uh, yeah, a song, um, and I, I understand um, when people sort of want to see artists play the song the way they know it, but. Mm. Um, songs do sort of evolve and there's actually a lot of the time there's not much you can do you can do about that as the artist who's performing them you, they they evolve themselves and you're just sort of along for the mm. ride and I was going to say the other thing is um, when you just mentioned just before about um, you know members of the band playing the tracks but I mean the more you play a track the better you get at it right I'm guessing you know yeah. and um, so then you know and your skills develop and your ideas develop over time and you can do other things with it, can't you, than what you used to when you first recorded it? Yeah, you're not the same. You're you're never the same guitarist and the same singer and the or the same bassist and drummer at two different gigs. Especially if there's even if those two different gigs are a week apart, and especially if they're a year apart or three years apart. Um, so you can't play things the same way because you're not the same musician. Hmm. Yeah, and you wouldn't want to be, would you? No, that'd be boring. Because and, and, mm. Henry Rowland said that, you know, like um, people talk to him about his stuff and he goes, well, you can't be playing the same three chords for your whole career. No. I mean, how boring is that? I know, yeah. You know, you've got to move on or, you know. Otherwise, the, all, your, your writing gets stale if you don't sort of change what you do and you, you become, you become 
maybe not more boring at all for the listener, but you become more bored, mm. I think, as an artist, if you're not changing your approach. Well, that's what I think about some of those, um, like, punk bands, for example, who are like, we just play it this way, and they've brought out 20 albums, and every 20 album, every album of the 20s is the same. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's okay if you're in a genre. Yeah. But it's a bit, um, you know, it's sort of formulaic, isn't it, really? You know? And yeah. um, I'm, I'm interested by, I don't know, I don't know if it's the writer who critiques the album, who really has nothing to say, so wants to say something, or if there's actually what happens. But when they try something different and they, oh, that's not your sound, what are you doing? And people are throwing their arms up in the air, outraged, <laughs> you know, like it's got keyboards in it. Yeah. Okay. That's, I think that's all right, yeah. <laughs> you know? And um, I don't know how you feel about that. but Yeah. Oh, look, it's... Uh, it's an interesting one. I, I I just think as long as as a writer, like as an artist, you're um, creating the music that sort of feels feels right and feels like the music you should be writing, then you're doing the right thing. Um, and if that is of a similar style to stuff you've done before, but it feels organic, then that's fantastic, and that's probably the music that you should be writing because it's what's coming naturally. But if you're writing stuff that just um, to change for the sake of change or to stay the same for the sake of sake mm. of staying the same, then neither of those two things are good. Mm. Yeah, change, I think changing to match what's popular. Yeah, I, I was just thinking about Kiss. You know, when they when they did their kind of whole rock disco stuff. Mm. You know, people were kind of having a go at them there that they lost their roots you know that whole yeah. I mean some people think that that's the biggest um, curse I guess or you know defamatory statement you can make about someone is that you've moved away from your roots <laughs> yeah okay you know I'm sure that they didn't mind no I'm sure I'm, I'm sure that they didn't mind but people I mean artists are always gonna are always gonna change you can't you can't avoid you can't avoid no. that people experience different mm. things and yeah mm, that's how right. it is Got another track there, yeah, Stu? let's do a track. Let's do uh, Easy Way Out. Okay. How about that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, this is Easy nice Way segue. Out. segue. Yeah, all right. I was good. <laughs> if Sam was leaving, then that's uh, what I was going to do, right? Yeah. But now he's staying. So our A material is gone. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then our next level of, is quite C material, really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> drops pretty quick, actually. <laughs> and straight through B to C. <laughs> anyway, this is Easy Way Out from Jim Henderson, and you're on Expanding Horizons.
live music, interviews and banter on Expanding Horizons. Yeah, that's the stuff we do on Expanding Horizons. Live music, music... <laughs> what was the other thing? Banter. 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 There was something else on there. Interviews. So. Interviews, which is what we're doing today. We're doing today. Yep. And that was... And my, my headphones have just pulled out. No. That was Jam Henderson. That was Jam. You do it, Cole, because I can't hear myself. What was the track name? Sorry. Uh, easy Way Out. No, we've done it now. <laughs> See how I sucked him into yeah, that yeah. one, Sam? Oh, yeah, yeah, I drew so, him straight into that one. He's so clever, Cole. He didn't see that you one coming. Me. You so got me. Off, off air, we were just saying about, um, you were just mentioning about Blue Smoke, right? About yeah. About how you didn't think that it had um, live music anymore. Well, and earlier on in the show, we were talking about 12 Bar. So my question to you is... Um, as an artist, how difficult is it to find venues to play at? And venues that suit your sound? Um, I mean, I still consider... I still consider it sort of artists very lucky to have... Um, I mean, there, there, are, there are still quite a few really awesome venues around. Darkroom and Space Academy are probably the two, mm. for me, that stick out just for the sort of style of stuff that, stuff that I play, although did play at 12 Bar a number of times, um, and it, was, it is a real shame that that's no longer. But, um, yeah, there is, a, there is a sort of review into, um, into the sort of southeastern-ish part of 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 the city going on being done by the council at the moment where you can sort of submit um on what is important uh to you and um one of those things that is being sort of quite relevant of late is um is uh live music accommodating live music and and sort of planning um and so that's that's been a bit of an issue with a couple of places in town like um like ducks and um smash palace have had issues just with um noise Mm. noise levels and all that um but it's interesting because those you know, before the kind of houses mm. started being rebuilt in the last couple of years, though, they're apartments really, aren't they? Mm. That yeah. um, it, it seems to me that people want to be close to the hub, yeah. but actually don't want to hear the hub going on. But, I mean, yeah, you're, you're right, and this is something that's all been in every every metropolitan area that's ever existed. You know, you, you, know, you look at Eden Park in Auckland, mm. where they've, re- they've owned, they really struggled to get gigs there. They had 660 play there, and that was the first gig. I don't know if it was the first gig ever or the first gig in a, in a long time or what, or what it was, but then you know, um, iconic venues um, like, and I just, again, another example from Auckland because that's where I'm from originally, mm. but the King's Arms um, there, which was a really iconic sort of tavern that did live music um, some of the great New Zealand acts played there um, that got shut down mostly due to sort of the economic implications of, of, of noise complaints and right. um, the ramifications of that there um, there is a big uh, and, and everyone has to live somewhere you know everyone mm. has to live somewhere but there's a big apartment block going up right next to um, Space Academy and Darkroom. Yeah. So I think I'm I as someone who plays there regularly and goes there even more regularly, am concerned about the degree to which noise uh, is going to be accommodated by by that big development um, when mm. it's all and it's all apartments. Um, so I, I I think it's really important to get some sort of clarity on that yeah. um, with with council so That's we know. Cool. It's quite an industrial area, though, isn't it? It's a very industrial area to have um, a, to have brand new apartments. Yeah, there's. Um, Are they being uh, gentrified? 
<laughs> all those areas being gentrified. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know. everyone's got to live somewhere and build. You know, you've got to build houses, but it's. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know what the answer. I don't claim to know what the answer is at all. I just think it's really important that we, sort of, as a as a music community, um, just let it be known that uh, it, how important live music is to mm. music culture and to co- sort of culture in general. Yeah. Hopefully, in the construction of those places, they've thought about soundproofing. You know? Hopefully. I mean, I was in I was in Wellington last New Year's. And we were in Cuba Street. We were staying in an apartment there. And two doors down was an Irish bar that was playing live music, but we couldn't hear anything. Yeah. So it's it's possible, right? It can be done. Yeah. It's it's done in um, it's done places all over the world. You yeah. Know? Oh, that's right. Hmm. I I, I was mm. going to say it's all right soundproofing, but if people want to sit out on their <laughs> on their deck. <laughs> they get a free show then. Get don't a they? free show, but then they're like. Oh, I don't like this stuff. Can't we just put the CD on? They're going to go and decide. And I think you're right, though, Cole. It's part of inner city living. If you mm. if you want to be in, in the city, you want to experience that, then you've got to experience the sights and the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah within reason. Within know, reason. Within yeah, reason. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, yeah. you know, like... You can have noise levels, can't you? Yeah, it's it's. I, I think it's the most important thing is, is having the conversation, mm. and um, especially with the council, and saying, how can we as a music community sort of set things up so we can have live music mm. and people who live um, in in these sort of inner city apartments can have a good quality of life and there has to be some sort of um, compromise mm. and clarity as well because without clarity you're not going to have new venues set up and you're going to have it's going to be yeah, it's going to be less economically viable yeah. to have a music venue and and all of those all of those things so I think having the conversation is very important if you want a vibrant inner city, then you've got to do it. I mean, they're rebuilding the court theatre. I mean, it's music, it's arts, it's everything yeah. really, isn't it? Mm. Mm. I don't know. It's, yeah, I don't know either. It's kind of six or one half a dozen of the other on it well, really, that, isn't it? And we've talked about this before too, Cole. Then people complain there's nothing to do. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know. when we were talking about, you know, the 12 bar and that earlier, and even Rolling Stone you were mentioning, right, mm. off air, I mean... You've got to get out, folks, and do things, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm not talking about the free stuff in the park. Mm. I'm talking about going out and seeing, and Stu and I say this all the time, Sam, you know, go out and see these bands before in two years' time you're paying $50 to see them at the arena. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I mean, people are, people will complain about a band charging 50 or $60 for a ticket, but... How many ten dollar bands do you do you mm. go and see? Not many, and there are, mm. there are there's a I I don't think there'd be many Thursday, Friday, or Saturday nights in Christchurch where there is there isn't a ten dollar gig mm. on somewhere. Mm. So just go and see. It. It's the price of you know it's the price of a drink. Right, Earlier this week, I yeah. was um, watching on YouTube some recent Midnight All touring, right, mm. which made me think about those gigs they used to do in bars in Sydney. You know, like the pubs would be absolutely packed, mm. you know, packed to the rafters and there'd be, dr- you know, sweat would be dripping off the ceiling, right? You could have gotten in there and seen them for a price of a beer in those days, mm. you know, and um, those small venues, those pub venues where people are crowded in, you just don't get that. My my eating. my dad saw Deep Purple in London for something like eight pounds <laughs> yeah you know? yeah nice That's, you know but yeah. those venues they're, mm. they're not those venues anymore are they yeah no and people I, I guess that I don't know this for sure um, people have different expectations of gig attendance now 
yeah. what they get to see. And and that whole user pays of, like we said just earlier, play it like I, I've heard it a thousand mm. times on my CD. That For some people, that's their expectations, right? I want to go, I want a bit of elbow room, I want a reasonably priced drink, and I don't yeah. want anyone standing in front of me, thanks. Mm. Mm. And if, yeah. you, if you want that, you can probably expect to pay $30 for a ticket. You yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you can just buy the DVD. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Get the Blu-ray that Stu might have mentioned earlier. <laughs> and, and another thing there is it is a lot more expensive to tour than it ever has been. So um, we're seeing sort of bands who are maybe 10 years ago would have come down to the South Island and now just doing North Island tours or, or vice versa. You know, you'll get bands play Dunedin Christchurch or maybe maybe they'll go to go to Nelson or maybe they'll go to Invercargill or Queenstown often or Wanaka or somewhere, you know. Um, they won't, but they won't go across the islands because... Uh, it's expensive to fly. It's mm. expensive to take a car. So it is. It is a tricky time to be not only a musician but a, a live music patron as well. Mm-hmm. You were talking before about how once a year you produce a New Zealand music magazine. Yeah, is this the sort of conversation that you'd have in your magazine? Oh, totally. I mean, yeah. we talk about it's about New Zealand um, music and musicians, but it's just as much about um sort of the musician adjacent stuff. So mm. we do stuff about the magazine for anyone listening. that's called Musician. There's nice. New Zition. Mm. I like New Zealand musician. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> And, um, yeah, so we talk about anything from venues to gig photographers to uh, we talk to to promoters or to just to anyone adjacent to mm. the music scene. Um, yeah, and it, these are all really important sort of conversations yeah. to, to have. And it, it, a music scene is a lot more than just musicians playing music. And people should, you know, you're talking about um, gig photographers, right? Mm. People should go out to these small gigs, get in get in a photograph, because in 20 years when it's a coffee table <laughs> coffee table book, yep. you, and you go, hey, look, there's me. Because I've been looking, I've seen all these photos recently coming up from like the late 70s of, you know, like these big crowd scenes at scooter rallies and bands and that kind of thing. And I'm thinking people must be, hey, I remember that. I yeah. was there that day. You know, mm. and um, people need to go along just so they can get in the background or in the foreground yeah. and say, "Hey, there's me when I did have hair <laughs> and a cool band shirt that fitted." Yeah, <laughs> still got the band shirt, just doesn't fit anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so um, do should do that. Get out and support those. And, and oh, totally gig photography, right? It's, oh. it's great. Mm. You know, such an art form. I watched a documentary. Well, last year or the year before about this guy in New York he, uh, he seemed very angular and very strange to me but he, he took some iconic photos you know the Beastie Boys and all that he used to just turn up at gigs and take photos of everyone and there was you know like the Beastie Boys when they were like 17 and then there's some supermodel who just turned <laughs> turned up when yeah. she was really young and they're all in photos together looking really youthful and spotty, you know? Yeah. And, and you just don't see that, you know? Like, it, unless people have been there and taken those I think photographs. As, as well, um, film photography is making quite a big resurgence uh, as, as sort of a, as a hobby for for people um, and I think it's I think it's a really good thing because we can take, I, I mean, I take photos all day on my phone mm. um, but with something like film you can be a lot we need to be a lot more intentional about it um so a, lo- a lot more people are doing things like 
gig photography and sort of what I'd say to anyone who, uh, so, oh, sorry, film photography and what I'd say to anyone out there who um, wants to take pictures of, of, of something interesting is go to a gig and take, mm. and take pictures of take pictures of the band and of the crowd and message the artist beforehand, say, do you mind if I come take a, take a few pictures at your gig or take some pictures of you? And they'll almost always say yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, and uh, it's, it's such, a, such a, a cool thing to get into mm. if for nothing else just to have this, this archive of your experiences. Mm. On on film, yeah, it's, and that's proof great. that you saw that band. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. great if you're an emerging photographer, right? Yeah, oh yeah, put together a portfolio. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Put it into a book. Glenn Friedman. Mm. I have a book at home. Oh yeah, by, of Glenn Friedman. He was um, in in the in the mid seventies. He took photos of skateboarders, and um, really early, like Tony Hawk. You know, when he was a kid, kid, people sidewalk sidewalk surfing. And then he used to go to all the punk and rap gigs. So he had, he, you know, all those iconic Public Enemy, Beastie Boys, Dead Kennedys photos. You go, mm-hmm. oh, that one. He took them. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. and, and so many of Ice T, you mm-hmm. know, if you'd see these photos and you'd go, oh, that one. He took that one. I think yeah. you've got a copy of Sex, Drugs and Rock and Roll. Well, we've talked about it, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. So that has a lot of iconic photographs in it. Yeah, it does. Yeah. People just turning up at those parties and yeah. take us some dicey photos of mm. people mm. not in their best light no. Elton, Elton John no. yeah it's interesting though oh absolutely the people are interesting yeah they are in terms of what's been captured yeah, yeah. and yeah. and you know back in the 70s when things were really ripe mm. you know for people doing crazy stuff you yeah, know yeah, yeah. but and a lot of those photos in there as well are of the artwork we're talking about the artworks mm. and mm. you know some stuff that probably would have got um, censored in the 80s under Tipper Gore um, and uh, Tipper Stickers. But in the 70s, yeah. you know, like Linda Ronstadt and all that kind mm. of stuff, some of those album covers, you're like, whoa. Mm. Or um, Blind Faith. Blind Faith album cover. I mean, yeah. that, that one there, there's no way that's getting out. You, do you know that one? Where the, I don't know. Yeah. So it's a uh, topless girl holding like um, a phallic-like airplane. Yeah, she's, right. about, she's about 12. She's about 12. Oh, yeah. oh right. Yeah. I mean, what's all that about? And, mm. is you know, even now if she was moderately dressed, you still wouldn't be getting it out. Yeah, <laughs> she, yeah. You know, so they had some way out stuff, eh? Mm. You know? But people look at it and go, oh, yeah. it's like, I guess it's like that Jimi Hendrix album, Electric Ladyland. I mean, he was sued. That was sued time and time again by the people in that, mm. by the women in that photo. Right. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> it's a bit like Nirvana's cover too. Yeah. yeah that. Um, never mind. Yeah, that kids tried to get some money out of them for that. Isn't Many it? times. Yeah. yeah. We should have just grabbed the one in the picture. <laughs> when he was swimming, <laughs> <laughs> you know, grab it, mate, and there was your money. Yeah. Do you want to play another track? Yeah, we'll do that. All right, so um, this is Inside Falling Out from Jam Henderson, and you're on Expanding Horizons.
We're not after your love on Expanding Horizons, but we'll take a like. Check us out oh. on Facebook. Oh, get my headphones on. Give it to you. Just as well Sam's here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we won't fit to go somewhere in it. Just a little bit of a short one, that one. We're busy talking about other things. Talking about... What was that track, Stu? Back Announce It. Oh, Back Announce It, Cole. That was Inside Falling Out from Jam Henderson. Yeah, that was quite a nice little nice. Yeah, I liked it. Thanks. That was, yeah, so that's on, uh, on that EP that I, I didn't put new walls on. Um, so they, 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 those two songs in particular, I didn't think really fit they together. They contrast, right? They mm. contrasted quite a lot. But I mean, they both sound like, they both sound like, you know, for me, they both feel like very sincere, genuine mm. songs that I've written, but they just don't go together. Mm. Hey, um, I was just thinking to myself, you know, when you're on the tour or even on your EP, mm. we um, quite often ask this order of tracks or even when you're playing live and you're doing your set list what you're yeah. kind of thinking about it the, is it about the venue is it about your mood is it about it's about everything um yeah mostly those two things i guess um it's uh, what's who are you know who else is playing what what are, what do you think the people are, are going to want energy wise um, make sure you're not going sort of up and down and up and down and up and down energy wise all the time. You want to sort of, you want to build it up. Or you, you can come in really, you can come in really hot and then and then peel it back a bit and then build it back up. Um, you, you got to, you know, start strong, finish strong, sort of thing, and with the, some quieter stuff in the middle. Um, that's, yeah, people need time to go to the loop. They do. People <laughs> yeah. need time to go for, go out for a smoke or something. Uh, if people still do that, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I saw someone driving along smoking a cigarette the other day, and I thought, wow, that's old school. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, I don't. I, I, I'm usually I sort of like to start with something at least. Oh, it's something relatively upbeat. Finish with something relatively mm. upbeat. Um, start and finish strong and then um, can sort of move the energy up and down in between there but as long as you're being sort of you're making sure you're moving in a direction you know all of the time um, and people aren't sort of you know jumping around dancing one song and then they're and then they're standing there all solemn silently the next one and then dancing again <laughs> you know you, you yeah. want to yeah you want you want it to a, a set to have phases it depends how long it is as well yeah. um and, and then I, I guess with eps and um eps and albums that it's the exact same thing really um i mean for brain cleaning which was this ep that inside falling out was the first track on um i sort of opened it up with that one something really spacey and and light and then built it up um to and then built it up through another track that was sort of a, a medium intensity track and then into easy way out which was the one that played just before that and then another quieter one at the, at the end to finish it off. So I mean, it really, it really depends on on the circumstances what you're working with. Mm. I was just going to say as well, you know, at a, at a gig, you don't want people jumping around first song and then when they're standing around sweaty, mm. then they get cold and then they're not interested anymore. <laughs> they get the royal hump about that, don't they? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, so you've got to keep them keep them going. You got to the keep, point, you gotta but you don't want to be too tired. No, so no, you no. can't play ten You're of right. them in a row. No, mm. you you can't play. It, was, it, it, it brings interest to um, to the to the more um, high energy songs. If you have some low energy songs in there as well, and vice versa, you know they don't, people don't want to listen to the exact same thing, yeah. um, the exact same tempo the whole way through. Yeah, yeah. 
Right. It's got to tell a story. You've got to have a, have a rhythm mm. you know, to everything, right? Mm. And this is, our show's got a rhythm, and the rhythm has come to the end, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. We have come to the end, Sam. Oh, wow. The end. Yeah, oh, no, I know. That went fast. That right? went really fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm quickly going to squeeze in that um, the fibre duo. The fibre duo? You just got it. The Fibre Duo are playing at the Two Thumb Brewery tomorrow, right. 3 pm, Colombo mm. Street. Last night, Zoe played on the drums for She him. did. I, I read that too. Yeah, mm. so that's good news. It is. But anyway, Jam Henderson, Sam, good luck. Yeah. It was great to have you yeah. here for Thank the full you very hour. Much. Yeah, yeah. Full hour. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, yeah. no, it was excellent. And, um, yeah, really yeah, interesting. Come back actually, in. Yeah. Come back in. Would love to, absolutely. Yeah, bring love the band to. in, play some tunes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do anything sure. like that, or just come in for a chat. I think you've got a lot more stories you can tell. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's more in there. Keeping yeah. a few under your beanie. And certainly interested in your magazine as well. I think that's yeah. cool. I'll bring that's, a copy in next time. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah. Right. Then it's probably time. That's probably his time that we got up, got down, and got outside. And we'll see you later. See you later, mate. Bye. <laughs>